McDonald's ice cream machine is down again? Well, now there's a lawsuit about it on this episode of... It's the Keith Law PLLC podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a recent misappropriation of trade secrets lawsuit related to a company who tried to come up with a solution for the epidemic of malfunctioning McDonald's ice cream machines. Technically, the ice cream machines are manufactured by a company named Taylor, and the lawsuit is by a company named Kitsch. Before I get into the details, I'm going to quickly go over what I'm planning to cover in this episode, then I'll get into it. First, I'll get into the background of the story of the broken ice cream machines and the lawsuit, which has recently come up, related to the company that tried to come up with a solution to decrease the headache related to the ice cream at McDonald's restaurants, those ice cream machines not working. I'll talk about the background, then I'll touch on the what I call the tangled web of contracts that this lawsuit kind of grows out of. Then I'll go into the, the lawsuit that Kitsch filed in May of this year. First, the background. In a recent blog post and one of my podcast episodes, I tried to explain what a cause of action is and specifically go over the misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action. Following that episode, a listener sent me a link to the Wired article, which is linked in the show notes and in the related blog post here, covering McDonald's restaurants' notoriously broken ice cream machines, and he asked about how trade secret misappropriation might apply. So I'm going to provide links in this podcast show notes and in the blog posts, but almost all or even more links will be available in the show notes of this podcast. And so those links, you can follow those links for a deeper reading into the situation. But I'm going to try to provide a summary of key points here before jumping into a bit of the legal analysis. In general, what you need to know is that under the McDonald's Master Franchise Agreement, franchise owners are currently, and this is only since 2017, currently limited to two permissible brands of ice cream machine. Most of them use the machine at issue in this drama, which was manufactured by a company called Taylor. And the Taylor machine is compared to a supercar that performs amazingly when it works. The problem is that it often doesn't work. In fact, they're so notoriously unreliable that there have been internet memes, websites tracking where the McDonald's ice cream machines are broken and where you can go for your McDonald's ice cream fix. And there's a Maybe serious, maybe not, crowdfunding efforts have been created in honor of the unreliability of these ice cream machines. So in an open marketplace of supply and demand, there's a strong demand and a strong market need for a solution to the unreliability of the machines. The only solution had been to wait for very expensive technicians to show up, certified technicians with exclusive knowledge of a secret menu in the operating system of the machines. That's where a company called Kitsch came in. In April of 2019, they developed a small aftermarket device that could be installed on the Taylor ice cream machine. 
that not only had access to that secret menu, but it also had connectivity that allowed the franchise owner to remotely monitor the status of the machine and even perform some of the secret menu activities that had previously only been available by paying expensive technicians who might take weeks to show up and repair the machine. Unsurprisingly, this disruptive kitsch hardware and software relatively quickly got the attention of Taylor, who manufactures the unreliable ice cream machines. Taylor appears to have begun attempting through overt and covert means to purchase a kitsch device, presumably to reverse engineer it to acquire the value of the market that kitsch and Taylor machines unreliability created. Taylor wanted to capture the value of that market. Kitsch detected and canceled a number of those orders, but when the suspicious order attempts ended and Taylor came out with a competitive device, Kitsch suspected that Taylor had obtained one of the Kitsch devices and possibly from one of Kitsch's McDonald's franchise customers. The problem with that possibility is that if one of Kitsch's McDonald's franchise customers turned over a Kitsch device to Taylor for reverse engineering, is that that would have violated a contractual agreement with Kitsch. The Kitsch contract with McDonald's franchise owners, among other things, is aimed at protecting Kitsch's trade secrets. Two months ago, Kitsch filed a lawsuit in Alameda County, California against Taylor and against a specific McDonald's franchisee, who Kitsch alleges violated its contract with Kitsch by turning over the Kitsch device to Taylor for reverse engineering. That's the basic factual overview. Check the links in the show notes for links to articles and other people's podcasts where they go into much deeper factual background. I'll also link to a PDF of the lawsuit that was filed. The PDF of the lawsuit goes into great factual detail, also attaches a copy of the contract signed by the McDonald's franchisee with Kitsch. Now I'll move into what I've called the tangled web of contracts at issue in this case. The situation can't be better understood without first understanding the web of contractual agreements affecting the parties in this ice cream machine drama. First, there's the agreements between McDonald's and Taylor reaching back as far as 1956. Then there's the McDonald's iron-fisted master franchise agreement that it uses to maintain consistent branding and quality control among its 39,000-plus restaurants across the globe. Lastly, there's the contract between Kitsch and McDonald's franchisees who signed up to use its device and software in an attempt to reduce their ice cream machine problems. First, let's talk about the relationship between McDonald's and Taylor. I'm not sure we know the true extent of the relationship, but apparently in 1956, Taylor formed a handshake deal with Ray Kroc of McDonald's to supply McDonald's restaurants with Taylor's ice cream machines. Under the current deal, Taylor sells its C602 digital ice cream machine to McDonald's and it can be found in more than 14,000 United States McDonald's location and many more around the world. It's been alleged that in exchange for selling its machines at a loss to McDonald's franchisees, and they're still very expensive, Taylor requires that its technicians are the only people who can repair the notoriously unreliable machines. Get this, in 2017 alone, 6,500 Taylor-certified technicians brought in almost $80 million in revenue for parts and service support. One of Kitsch's owners claims that this specific model of Taylor's machine 
which is a different model from that in the Burger King restaurants. Apparently, Burger King uses a different model of Taylor machine. That kitsch owner or co-founder suggests that there's an intentional unreliability in the machines that are sold at a loss to make significant money on these repairs. It sounds as if these ice cream machines are almost designed to fail. At least that seems to be the suggestion of Kitsch's co-founder, Mr. O'Sullivan. There's a two-part podcast interview that can be found at securityledger.com, where Mr. O'Sullivan is interviewed in great deal about this situation. Next, it's worth talking about McDonald's and its franchisees and the master franchise agreement between them. Understandably, McDonald's has an interest in maintaining consistency among its products sold in its 39,000-plus restaurants. And this is why they have a legitimate interest in having an extensive, detailed, and some might say onerous master franchise agreement. The agreement includes McDonald's control over the equipment that's used in its restaurants and the right to inspect for the purpose of monitoring what McDonald's refers to as intellectual property, including intellectual property that's licensed to McDonald's also includes an entire section on trade secret protection. And it appears that until 2017, Taylor was the only supplier of ice cream machines that franchisees were allowed to use. Then in 2017, McDonald's began allowing franchisees to use a machine made by an Italian company, Carpigiani. As a part of the master finance agreement, a material breach can expressly result in termination of the agreement. And because McDonald's leases most of the land and buildings to its franchisees, upon breach, it appears that the franchisee becomes a former franchisee, and then McDonald's can simply evict its former franchisee after the breach. The last contract I want to touch on is that between Kitsch and the McDonald's franchisees. As I said earlier, Kitsch developed this device and software that was aimed at helping franchisees decrease the headaches caused by their Taylor ice cream machines which at various times have been estimated to be out of order at a rate of between 20% and 25%. In the show notes, you can find a link to Kitsch's extensive terms of service page. Also, in the linked lawsuit, there's an exhibit reflecting the actual contract signed by the specific individual McDonald's franchisee that Kitsch is suing. In the contract itself, it states that violating the terms of the contract may constitute actionable conduct that, among other things, violates the Federal Defend Trade Secrets Act and the California Uniform Trade Secrets Act. Now I'd like to talk about the lawsuit that Kitsch filed in May of 2021 against Taylor and the specific McDonald's franchisee. Kitsch and its lawsuit asserts three causes of action. One, breach of contract. Two, tortious interference with contract. And three, misappropriation of trade secrets. The lawsuit claims to seek monetary damages and an injunction. I'd like to go through these three causes of action. First, breach of contract. A cause of action for breach of contract, which tends to be consistent across jurisdictions, includes three primary elements. One, the existence of an enforceable contract. Two, breach of the contract. And three, damages caused by that breach. In its lawsuit, Kitsch alleges Element 1 that its contract contained enforceable confidentiality provisions. 
For element two, breach, Kitsch alleges that the individual defendant participated in developing a Kitsch competitive device for Taylor, that he assisted in the disassembly, reverse engineering, and distribution of a Kitsch device, and that he provided Taylor with access to a Kitsch device. As for the damages element, Kitsch asserts that the amount of monetary damages cannot currently be ascertained, but will be proven at trial. The next cause of action alleged is tortious interference with contract. A cause of action for tortious interference with contract in California appears to include four primary elements. One, the existence of an enforceable contract. Two, a third party's knowledge of the existence of that contract. Three, intentional encouragement or inducement of a party to the contract to breach its contractual obligations. And of course, damages caused by the interference with the contract. To establish element one, Kitsch points to the same contract it pointed to in its breach of contract cause of action. For element two, Kitsch alleges that Taylor knew of Kitsch's contract with the individual McDonald's franchisee's defendant based on the individual's public discussion of his use of Kitsch's product. For element three, intentional inducement to breach, Kitsch alleges that Taylor used its influence within McDonald's to push the individual defendant to breach his contract with Kitsch. Then for element four, damages, Kitsch points to the disruption with its contract with the individual defendant, its allowing Taylor to develop a competing product, and its driving investors away from Kitsch. For trade secret misappropriation, I'm providing links to the previous podcast episode and blog post where I talked about misappropriation of trade secrets. You can find the elements of trade secret misappropriation cause of action there. For element one, Kitsch points to 77 paragraphs in its extensive lawsuit and three exhibits attached to an affidavit as supporting the existence of its trade secrets. Remember, to prevail on a misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action, first, the plaintiff has to establish that what was misappropriated was actually trade secret. Then Kitsch alleges that its trade secrets were misappropriated when its device and software were provided to Taylor for at least eight months. Kitsch claims that it took reasonable steps to keep its device and software secret and that its secrecy provides actual or potential independent economic value. Those are the causes of action that have been asserted by Kitsch in its initiating pleading, starting its lawsuit. I took a look at the docket for the lawsuit, which shows that there has been quite a bit of back and forth so far in the lawsuit. I wasn't able to get past the headings of what's occurred. It does not appear that answers have been filed yet. It does appear that substantial efforts have been taken to keep things sealed or kept away from public view. So far, it appears that the court has not been amenable to sealing a lot of the activity, but again, I can't really see behind the curtain on what's, what's happened. I'm hoping to be able to see a copy of the responsive pleadings that are filed in this case. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the individual franchisee files. I'm looking forward to seeing what Taylor's lawyers file in response. It's interesting that McDonald's has not been made a party to this lawsuit. And remember, because McDonald's has so much control over the equipment used by its franchisees, it might not be very happy with allowing this company to sell these devices to its franchisees if 
this company sues McDonald's. There's a possibility that McDonald's could step in as an interested third party, which reminds me of another reason McDonald's may not be made a party to this suit is because of the resources it has at its disposal. If you're interested in knowing more about how this plays out, let me know. I might dig a little deeper. I might reach out to some of the lawyers involved in the lawsuit and see if they're willing to provide any information or insight into how the lawsuit's being addressed by the judge, how things seem to be going. There's a good chance that I won't hear anything in response if I do reach out, but if you take a look at the lawsuit that was filed, the initiating pleadings, they're so detailed. And the fact that Mr. O'Sullivan appeared on two podcast episodes for, I think, 45 minutes or an hour each talking about the details of this, it doesn't appear that there is any reticence to provide information to the public about what's going on here. The good news is it appears that your McFlurries and other ice cream treats from McDonald's will be more available in the coming years. It's worth noting how these things really work in practice is Businesses take reasonable steps to protect their trade secrets. One of the ways they do that is with good contracts that include non-disclosure agreements and confidentiality provisions. But there's nothing magic about those agreements. What those agreements are aimed at doing is in the unfortunate event where trade secrets have been misappropriated, they give you the ability, they being these contracts and these agreements, give you the ability to go to a judge and try to get a judge to provide the protection that your trade secrets need. The agreements themselves are an important part of a holistic approach to protecting your trade secrets, but they're not a magical amulet. But without them, you're in a much worse position when you go to a judge to try to stop the bad behavior. Again, check the show notes for all different ways to contact me and to learn more about this topic. Let me know if you're interested in more of this topic or anything else that you're curious about, and I might create an episode about it. I really appreciate that you took the time to listen to this and any other podcast episodes and provide the feedback that you have. If there's anything I touched on that caused any confusion or that may leave you scratching your head, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know, and I'll try to get those questions explained, not just to you, but for other people who are certainly asking the same questions. One of the best places to find me is at www.keith.law. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.